Magic is power. Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jeremy. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. Um, we have an awesome guest on this week, but before we get into that, um, I just want to remind you guys, you know, as always, want to thank Hipster the Coast uh, for bringing you Leaving Legacy every Friday. Uh, you can check them out for awesome, awesome legacy content and more. Uh, also, if you want to support the show directly, you can visit patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Even a dollar episode helps us out a bunch. Uh, we have awesome rewards. We do stickers and play mats. I know a lot of those have gotten out to the people, um, so you can check those out um, and more. So just check it out. The link is in the show notes. Uh, so this week, we, we scored an awesome guest, Jerry. This is one of the this is one of the big fish. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is like These are the people I love to have on. Uh, the the inimitable Erin Campbell. Erin, how you doing? I'm good. I appreciate the fish reference because I like to talk oh, about Oh, that was completely unintentional. And... <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing a lot of fishing in my spare time, and that was that was completely unintentional. But uh, I'll just say I nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> I, that's perfect. In fact, there was um there was a card that was spoiled on Friday with the rest of Ixalan, and one of the flavor texts said something to the effect of like you know when I read it, it said don't serve the river, serve the fish. But in reality, it was like don't. I completely read it wrong, and you know you're raised by drag queens when you see references like that everywhere you go, and I was like, oh, i gotta got to get that out of my head. We make the reality we perceive around us, you know. Exactly, it's all, it's all exactly. It's all reflection. I want to go back to hipsters for a second, because I really, I want to give them a shout-out, because I really feel like they've been stepping up their game lately. They've got some really awesome writers on board now. I really enjoy reading Sanyo's work related to Legacy. I think mm-hmm. he's really nice. Um, I really enjoy reading Ryan's content on Commander, and also just on Twitter. You know, they've kind of Re, you know, reimagine themselves mm-hmm. as being like this up to the minute kind of news feed, and I really appreciate that. I know Kate and Aaron did a really good job of of tweeting out pictures of Hascon while they were there, and, and Hipsters just as a whole has really stepped up their game. So I wanted to give them some some praise for that because I, I noticed that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely feel the same way. Um, it was really cool because I got this chance to sit down with David McCoy and uh, Rich Stein. They're two of the the lead people at Hipsters um, when we were out in Vegas, and they were just they just kind of dumped on me all the stuff that they want to do to kind of promote the website and really they want to be one of the foremost uh, you know content producers uh, for Magic the Gathering for sure. So I love seeing them do their thing, and they have some really like you said, really great staff writers there. Um, they cover all the formats, and, and even uh, David McCoy's been doing like this Magic Minute podcast, which is like a mm-hmm. daily podcast that's super short, and they've been putting that out. So yeah, they're doing an awesome job, and that's great. That's great to hear that other people are noticing it as well. Mm-hmm. What I what I love about that Magic Minute is they also give subtitles, so I can just sit sit my phone up while I'm at work, and I can just read along with it because oh, really, <laughs> yeah, that's super at least convenient, the, actually at least the Twitter version does. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, Dave, awesome. David's great. He uh, sometimes I'll send him like our leaving legacy, like the whole email at like midnight on Thursday, and he lives in like South America, so it's probably late for him. I don't really know how the time zones work, <laughs> but it's got to be up by 10 a.m. Friday, and surely without fail, he always gets it up on time. So I don't, I I don't think that's him. how time zones work. Like the first south, like if you start going south, you go back in time, right? Oh, of that's course, how right. That's, well, that's how it works. That's why we have dinosaurs in Ixalan, but that's that's not a really legacy content. But <laughs> Hipsters is definitely one of those websites where if I could write for other 
websites, I, I would love to write something for you guys. I kind of got in some hot water uh, back in June because I wrote something for another website, mm-hmm. which was just a really a really loose kind of recap of Vegas. And uh, Evan kind of pulled rank a little bit and was Ooh. like, you know, I would like is uh, can I tell you the story real quick? Of course, yeah, please. Yeah. I, I always I like I love coming to your show with stories, <laughs> and I love that you let me tell them. So so back in June, I was at GP Vegas and I played vintage uh, for the first time in paper with with real bazaars because my boyfriend had bought me a play set of bazaars, which is awesome. Uh, I imagine that's what getting proposed to feels like when someone just drops two thousand dollars in your lap. They're about, and you're just like, they're about equal I, value. Yeah, like I can't see, I can't breathe. This must be what it feels like. But I ended up playing vintage. I played in both side events and I did really well that weekend. And there's a local game store that I like to frequent called Nerd Rage Games in, in, in Illinois. Shout out to Nerd Rage. And so their editor was like, you should write a little something about your experience. And I was like, yeah, you know, they're friends. You know, we're, we're, we're friends. I love the store. You know, I wasn't looking for it to become a column or anything. So I wrote this article, just a really, you know, kind of level one entry into vintage vintage dredge and it ended up taking off i think they said it was like the fifth most popular article they've ever had and then they were like well we'd love for you to write something about modern ad nauseum next because they have their own event series and you know they were kind of covering the the decks of modern and i was like i would love to and i made a comment to evan that i was writing about and he's like you're gonna you're gonna post something out of magic and I was like, no. I was like, I, it goes on Nerd Rage Games because Nerd Rage is the store. And he was like, yeah, but you're sponsored by Cool Stuff. And I was like, but, 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 I was like, I can't put it on because it's Nerd Rage and they have a series. And he was like, I would really like you to not do that. And I've oh, never, man. we've, I've never had a serious sponsorship before like this. Yeah. And I was just like, oh. And, <laughs> um, and I mean, he was nice about it, but yeah. he did kind of put his foot down and he was like, I, that's, that's a kind of a no-no. And I was like, oh. And so, so I had to, I had to let Nerd Rage know that I couldn't write for them. And you know, I do have to kind of keep it exclusive now. But if I could write for other people, I would love to, to give hipsters a little something. But uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm double sponsored <laughs> now, so I have to be extra. Careful. Oh yeah, but you're uh, you're you're very successful. I mean, I mean, I've seen you like I remember coming into like I came back to Magic in like 2014, and I got introduced to the deck tees pretty early on, and that's how I that's how I kind of like found you, and uh, you've like really elevated yourself. I mean, that was a great show. Don't get me wrong, but like I mean, now you got your hands in all kinds of pies. It's awesome. Well, well Pat, <laughs> we we kind of know what it feels like because since we're sponsored by Boston Market, we're not allowed to be photographed <laughs> in a Kentucky Fried Chicken anymore. You mean Boston Market? <laughs> Boston Market. <laughs> oh man. Um, I, I guess like in in retrospect, it's probably better to hear from Evan than to hear from Cool Stuff, right? Like like once the damage yeah. had already been done, so to speak. Yeah, and like I said, I had just never really dealt with that before. You know, the Girlfriend Bracket was was sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc. And I'm using quotation marks with my fingers, but we only received store credit. You know, mm-hmm. we were never paid in cash or anything. But Cool Stuff Cool Stuff pays Magic Mike's, and that's a level I had never uh, been on before. So I, I'm I was used to sort of having my freedom to, yeah, I'll, I'll chuck a guest post here and I'll give these guys a little something. And this was my first taste of like, no, you're exclusive. And I was yeah. like, ooh. And it was, a, it was, I was a little annoyed for like a, a smooth two weeks afterwards. Yeah. I was like, I can't even do what I want. And <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to Miley Cyrus's Can't Be Tamed on a loop, you know, just really annoyed by the whole thing. And now I kind of understand where it's like, all right, it, it makes sense. Like, I understand. It's a price I thought you pay this was right America. I thought this was America, huh? Oh, <laughs> Freedom of speech, man. Yeah. Oh, God. 
<laughs> says the person who doesn't understand freedom of speech. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bless their hearts. But... Um, uh, well, one of the big reasons why we wanted to have you come on, and obviously there's a lot of stuff you have going on right now, but uh, the VSL has just uh, recently relaunched, not relaunched, but it started its next season, correct? And, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously you have been uh, invited to come on and play, and I'm sure a, a lot of people expect you to just kind of go out there and just run dredge back and forth every week and just start <laughs> dropping narcos on these people. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about, like, the VSL? I mean, a lot of legacy players, some may, may not know much about the Vintage Super League. Can you tell us a little bit about it, who's in it, and uh, kind of where you're heading with that? Yeah, the this season of the Vintage Super League started last week. Uh, it was Rich Shea, Kevin Cron, Reed Duke, uh, and Tagoris. Uh, they were in the first pod. So there's 12 people. They've broken us up into three pods. And then uh, the, the idea is that we play everybody. Uh, I believe the last league, there were like qualifiers where like you had to win a spot and then the league kind of happened. And I don't think they're doing it this time around. It's Rachel Agnes, Randy Bueller, myself, Kevin Cron, Reed Duke, Eric Froelich, uh, Bob Maher, Steve Menendian, Paul Rietzel, Rich Shea, Tagoris, and David Williams. And uh, yeah, I was invited by Randy. And it's funny because when he invited me, his first line to me was, would you still be interested in VSL if you could only play Dredge once? <laughs> I took that to mean that there were going to be qualifiers, and he thought that I wasn't going to win, and Ooh. I was like, what is that? That's, that's the way that I took it. Did it you was snap like, off at him? <laughs> no, but I definitely, like, I kind of raised an eyebrow, and I was like, did he say what I was And I And I was like, no, I, w- I would still be happy for the opportunity, because even just being on VSL once is huge exposure, you know, it's a lot of eyes on you, and, and that's not counting the YouTube views and everything like that. And he was like, well, what we're thinking of doing this year is um, they wanted to do something where we all agree not to play the same deck twice. Mm-hmm. One of the criticisms that one of the criticisms that VSL has received in the past is people feel like they see the same decks over and over again. And especially prior to the restrictions, you know, Shops was 60% of the metagame and Mentor was like 40. Um, so he made everybody promise that we wouldn't play the same deck twice. And I was like, I'm totally fine with that. There are plenty of decks I would love to play. And so I agreed to, to do the league. And uh, I've already submitted my first deck. My pod, uh, I start playing on September 26th. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can give you guys the inside scoop as to what I'm yeah. going to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you guys want to hear it? Yes, please. Okay, I um, I registered Dragon Stompy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I to play in Vintage with only sure one chalice? Does. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. So it's chalices. So the version that I'm running, it was a list that did well in a challenge back in March. This was before um, the restrictions happened, but it's running four Megas of the Moon, four Blood Moon, four Null Rod, um, Chandra Torture Defiance, Fiery Confluence, Hazaret, a little spicy oh, yeah. meatball there. Nice. Um, and so I made a couple of changes just because the deck was running four Sulfur Elementals, and I didn't think it needed that after the, the Mentor restriction. Mm-hmm. So I added in some Scab Clan Elementals, which is surprisingly good, and um, you know just some ensnaring Bridges and things like that. I put in a, a Black Lotus and a, a Mox Ruby because the list I found didn't have that, but I wanted to play something that was really far away from Dredge. And you know, if if the if the theme is going outside of your comfort zone and and, and playing things you're not used to, I can't think of anything that's more outside of my comfort zone than playing Dragon's Donkey. And uh, so we're gonna see we're gonna see how it goes. We're gonna but be the fun police the first week. You still have the option of locking someone out from playing Magic, so <laughs> there's still that that aspect. You're not. You I know. think the I think the best play that I made with that deck was I managed to get a turn one. Chandra Torture Defiance between like Lotus and things. So it was turn one Chandra and then I plussed her for two red and then I dropped a Null Rod. Ah. Um, and that was after the Leyline that I had played. I was playing Leyline the Void and my opponent just scooped. And so um, 
There's definitely, you know, there's definitely games where you're like, hey, where are you going? And you're like chasing after them and they just want nothing to do with you. And Goblin Rabble Master is a card and it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Rabble Master, surprisingly good. A card I played in the Sin standard. Prodder? Yeah. Oh, Sin Prodder. That's one of Jerry's favorites. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sin Prodder. <laughs> Yeah, definitely killed someone with that. But I think it's going to be a really good time. I'm really excited. I'm so honored to be a part of it. I'm definitely the baby of the group. Mm-hmm. I've probably been playing vintage for the least amount of time compared to everybody else. And I just want to I just want to try everything, and I want to do a good job, and I really want to prove that I deserve to be there. I mean, you have quite the, the list of peers on, on the, that are pe- appearing on the Vintage Super League, so you are certainly among good company and extremely good Magic players. So that's super awesome. Yeah, and that's something I think I've talked about before is the vintage community is really, really awesome. You know, these guys, I think, I think people sometimes see the value of vintage. You know, they see these really expensive cards. You know, they see these really finely tuned deck lists. And I think there's this, you know, idea that people have that vintage is sort of elitist or that, you know, you can't hang with these people. And I found the opposite to be true. You know, everybody I've met has been so welcoming to me. You know, there aren't many people who play vintage. They just want people to play what they play and to love what they love. And I've had so many people just offer their help and their services and, and, and they haven't been judgmental when they've seen me punting on stream or, you know, anything like that. And it's just been a really welcoming community. And I, I can't stress that enough. That's awesome because it, as someone who like I, I've considered putting together some uh, vintage decks, just like vintage Eldrazi, because I already have a lot of the pieces, or maybe something more spicy online. Um, it, it it can be it feels like a daunting format to get into because again, it's like it'd be for me it'd be like starting Legacy all over again. Um, so that's really cool to hear that the 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 format and the community is so welcoming and so open to new players and encouraging that. Yeah, it's also interesting to come from Legacy uh, to Vintage. You know, Legacy has a lot of toys. You know, we have Lion's Eye Diamonds, we have Ponders, we have Brainstorms, we have Lotus Petals, and those are all restricted in Vintage, which is weird. <laughs> it's weird to... I remember I was trying to build a version of Dredge called uh, Fate Stitcher Dredge or Sunny Dredge, which we'll talk about later, and uh, it required a Black Lotus. My boyfriend was using his Lotus, and I was like, it's fine, I'll just use two Lion's Eyes. And I couldn't figure out why, why, why Magic Online was telling me that my deck was illegal. Like, it wouldn't let me. I had that little yield sign, you know, next to the name. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, what's going on here? And it said, Lions are Diamonds Restricted. And it's so interesting to go from Legacy, where all of these things are four ofs, to a format where they are ranked equally with Moxon and Ancestral right. Recall. Like, Brainstorm is good enough to be, you know, is treated like a Moxon. That's so weird. And yeah. I'm not saying that that's wrong or anything, but I'm so fascinated by the decision-making process. Like, I'd love to hear how that came to be and how they decided that this is totally fine in Legacy, mm-hmm. um, but it's not fine, you know, in Vintage. Yeah, that's... Uh, I, I imagine that someone like Randy or uh, Rich Shea is also involved with the Vintage Super League, if I'm not mistaken, probably are very familiar with like the history of the band list there because to be quite honest with you i find the same thing when it comes to legacy sometimes when jerry and i will go over the legacy band list on the cast there'll be a card that i'll make huh why is why is this on the band list or or something like that and uh um yeah for sure i'm sure there are they have they may have their reasons or um i think with legacy a lot of stuff was preemptively banned when the format became a, a thing so mm-hmm. um i don't know if it, the same thing happened with vintage and um, I'm excited. To, I'm really excited to see the how vintage shakes out with uh, with mentor being restricted and and and, uh, and things like that. So everything yeah. was put on the ban list for a reason. It's just that reason might and probably doesn't hold true anymore. Right, right. The, the game has changed so much, and there are cards yeah. in the format that are so so much more powerful than it was 
the way. Right. Like, so much of it's just, like, grandfathered in, and we've had mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of cards come into play. Like, Abrupt Decay was the big one. Like, if Abrupt Decay was printed 10 years ago, I think the reserve list would uh, uh would be half as long as it is today. Be, yeah, we were discussing this on Twitter earlier, too, with regards to modern. You know, somebody was talking about how modern has gotten to a weird place, and, you know, I, I would love to see more unbannings. You know, mm-hmm. I think that we see, we see bannings much more than we do, and, you know, I remember when we were playing No Modern Ban List uh, for Community Super League, and there were so many cards that we were really disappointed by. Hypergenesis was one of them. You know, I remember the girls and I were playing, we tested out Hypergenesis and just bombed, and I think Gabby had even played it, and Marshall <laughs> played it live on the stream, and it just didn't do anything thing and you know i think there's just so many cards that kind of have the you know like you said they're grandfathered in i think they have a history or maybe a reputation behind them and because of that people feel like it just can't be done and you know i think you know i want i what, the way i like to describe modern is i like to say just unban everything and let god sort out the bodies um i think stone for i think Stoneforge is fine i Isn't think blood braid is fine <laughs> I think Jace is fine. I think if you want to tap out for Jace and turn four of modern and I'm playing ad nauseum, fine, I'll just in response kill you. That's yep. fine. Yep. Um, you know, I think there's so many things. I honestly and truly believe that Dread Return is also fine. I swear I will make a PowerPoint defending that one of these days. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of things they could really unban, but for whatever reason, they... And again, I just would like would love to know the decision-making process behind that. Yeah, I think, I, I think it becomes really interesting, too, because it does take time for the formats to shake out when you unban a lot of Clark, a lot of cards and um the the no modern ban list uh tournaments that i've seen uh like decklist posted have always been really interesting to me and it, i'd be curious to see what would happen if like you had four or five six months of compiled data and sort of where that format would go and maybe that format would be really fun maybe something would be really broken but to me i'm always i'm always an advocate for unbanning cards before banning cards um just because i think it makes the formats more open and, and just keeps it refreshing and doesn't take people's cards away either you know which is always mm-hmm. a kind of a feel bad for a lot of players you asked what happened after six months of data. Golgari Grave Troll gets banned. <laughs> like, I'm still so mad about that, and it was so personal. And I understand that it. it, it don't even get me started. Don't even. It's a miracle I didn't toilet paper some houses over that. I am yeah, but if, if Blood Elf was maybe unbanned, like maybe the Golgari, Golgari Grave Troll would be fine. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think what it is, though, is I think that there are just some decks that Wizards is fine being on top. We're yeah. seeing Storm gain a little bit of popularity in Modern, thanks to people like Emma Handy and Caleb Shearer, um, and you know they're not going to let that stand. Like, that's one of those decks where if it gets too popular, they're going to put the kibosh on that. I think they're fine with, like, fair strategies like Lily and, you know, Scavenging Ooze and Jund and that, and, you know, they're fine with Death Shadow, you know, being what it is and, and the resource game that that is, but I do think that there's just certain decks um, that are not meant to be top decks. And I think if they get too popular, uh, it, it puts a bullseye on their on their head. Yeah, totally. Especially in a format like Modern, which I think Wizards sort of lords over a lot more closely than Vintage or Legacy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, just real quick, shout out to Emma Handy, because I absolutely adore her. She's such a wonderful person. Um, and she's been, like, crushing it lately. She was up for the uh, Loading Ready Run pre-release this past weekend, I think. So, uh, yeah, she's been, uh, she's been doing a lot of work. Sure. Yeah, I actually, um, so I knew about that uh, before she announced it publicly. Uh, I'm really glad that she was able to make it. So initially she had tweeted something that she wasn't, she had alluded to an opportunity passing her by that because she couldn't afford to go. Mm-hmm. And so I had sent her a message because, you know, we're friends and I was like, what's going on? And she's like, I got invited to the pre-release. I can't afford it. And I was like, you are not missing this because of money. I was like, how much do you need? And she was like, well, I have to get a passport on short notice. She's like, I need like 200. And I was like, PayPal. 
PayPal okay? And she was like, you're not giving me $200. And I was like, you are not, this is huge exposure. I was like, this is this is thousands of views, this is thousands of, of watches on YouTube, this could do wonders for you. I was like, and you're not going to miss it because of something dumb like money. And so um, she had an anonymous donor um, and myself who basically pooled in our money um, and we were able to get her that passport on short notice and, and even give her some spending money while she was there. And I was just happy that she was able to, to get all the stars to align because for a while there she was really kind of ready to like just kind of give up and be like oh it's not meant for me and I was like you are going damn it oh, that's so that's so that's so awesome and that's one of the things like so obviously you become you, you uh, interviewed and got the position for the card hoarder community manager but like things like that I think are like one of the reasons why I think first of all you're such a great candidate and, and person for that job but like people who care about the community who care about the people who are in it who work? I mean, Emma's someone who like works super hard. Is really trying to pursue her dream, and I just love the fact that you just like, give her the boost that she needs. And like, you know, it, you never know because that could take her to like the next level that she's looking to go to. So that's just wonderful. Well, she returns the favor. I've definitely, you know, DM'd her in the middle of the night with, you know, a feeling storm, and she's had to talk me off a ledge. And um, she's a really, really good person. You know, I remember the first time I met her, it was just like 100% family. It was just like I knew that, you know, her and I were to be really good friends. And, um, you know, she's been awesome to me, and I, I'm so happy for her. And, I'm, you know, I think she deserves everything that she has coming yeah. towards, you know, coming her way because she just she works really hard. Yeah, that's great. I love to see that. Yeah. Um, all right, so we, have, we do have some legacy and vintage results uh, that we – kind of wanted to get into this week um mm-hmm. so eternal extravaganza 7 did happen over the weekend um and we did get a top eight uh, a friend of ours uh Eli cassis uh took it down with turbo depths not the the bug turbo depth that our friend tom hep runs um but a more traditional that, that's your friend just yeah. just to clarify that's not with his four surgicals and four crop rotations and four bajuka bogs tom is not my friend your friend he is a lovely person, but I can imagine you want to just uh, uh, stab his eyes out. I assume I don't know. What, I don't know what dredge players do to people like that. But. I, you know, I prefer less violent forms of aggression. I prefer like you know duct taping someone's car door shut or like you know covering their car in lunch meat. You know, just things like that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, there was a. Pretty interesting top eight, I think, especially for Legacy. Um, Burn coming in second, um, and this is a I don't know how many people we had in the in the event, um, but he was. It was a very typical Burn list. I was checking over the list, and they did have four copies of uh, Monastery Mentor in the list, but I think it was probably meant to be Monastery Swift Spear because there was no way to make White Man in the deck. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's probably a typo. <laughs> um, Sean Griffith coming in coming in third with four color Leovold is a deck we've seen really kind of make its way into the format. It's become kind of one of the premier uh, control decks. Uh, we had a Miracles player. Still, Miracles is just kicking around, and I just don't know what it's going to take to take that deck out of the format, but Dan Miller came in fourth uh, with Miracles. We had three Storm players, uh, one in fifth, one in sixth, uh, Michael Wojton and Jack Wang, uh, respectively, uh, both piloting Storm. A red-white Death and Taxes build, which was pretty spicy, Jerry. I don't know if you got a chance, if you guys got a chance to look over this list, but uh, it was pretty neat. Piloted by uh, Itai Ben Sasson. I hope I'm not butchering that name too poorly. Yeah, this uh, this red-white Death and Taxes list has been kicking around for a while. Mm-hmm. It was actually, uh, we were talking about this on Twitter with the new Blood Moon ban, and everyone's talking about putting Blood Moon into lands for some reason in order to <laughs> activate their Dark Depths, which is just a oh, terrible the, idea. The, the rules update? Yeah, the rules update. Yeah. No one do that. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. But one place where I could actually, you know, uh, begrudgingly see this working is in a deck like this, the red, white, uh, death and taxes, because they can, uh, play a Magus of the Moon or a Blood Moon, 
drop a Dark Depths, have it come into play with zero counters on it, and then like Flicker Wisp their uh, their Blood Moon or Magus of the Moon and make right. it twenty twenty. Right. Yeah, mm. that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean just to, just to see like pa- I mean I don't see Palace Jailer in these decks very often. Uh, no, Palace Jailer's of... been popping up a lot. I yes, see that yeah. all over the place see, I now. I haven't seen it in the in the in the list, but you know I I haven't played a ton of Moto lately. Um, Pia Kira Alar as a one of in the main, which is really interesting as well. Um, yeah, really, just I, it's cool to see the red slash in here. I really dig the two Magus of the Moon in the main board as well. Yeah, I took uh, Ant to uh, FNM the other day. There's a store not far from the boyfriend's house that has a uh, Legacy FNM, and mm-hmm. so I had uh, I built Ad Nauseum tendrils and took it out for a spin and crashed and burned. I went like zero and four. The only time I went off successfully was when he and I were playing a fun game, and mm-hmm. uh, I just felt like I kept drawing the wrong half of it. I felt mm-hmm. like you know there were games where I either had all the mana in the world, where I had all the rituals and all the rocks and nothing to spend them on, or I had all of the gas and I was just consistently short on mana, and I was like. I'm always so jealous of people doing well with Storm because I feel like I'm just completely screwing it up. Like, I, it seems like it's really hard to play. I was going to say, yeah, because it seems like a deck, <laughs> like, you're totally right. Like, if you have, it is a it is a traditional combo deck, so, like, you have these different pieces, and if you're drawing the wrong half of your deck, you're just not going to do anything. And players that are able to cobble together wins out of what should be losses, um, I think is, is it's just one of those really skill-testing decks. I think that... I've heard the argument that like that Storm is the best deck in Legacy, or you know even maybe the best deck in Modern. But the pilots of the decks are what make the deck. Like it, it also has like the lowest floor, so to speak. So. Yeah, and also you know I'm not really a blue mage, so you know trying to figure out the the brainstorm ponder thing. You know that's mm-hmm. a skill game in and of itself, oh, and whether yeah. or not you should. I've also heard that you're supposed to do one before the other. Like if they're both in your hand, there's like mm-hmm. sequencing, and and I'm used to that from ad nauseum in Modern. But I've never, <laughs> I can count on two hands the number of times I've ever cast a brainstorm and still have fingers left over. So I'm just like, I don't understand this way of life. Oh the gosh, big I... thing is remembering that you have counter spells because my yes. friend Mike, love him to death, but he has a burn player through and through. And every time he picks up a blue deck, his opponent will like combo off in his face. He's like, okay, yeah, that's okay. And he looks down in his hand and he's like, ah, oh, fuck, I have force of will. <laughs> he just like puts his hand face down on the table and just yeah. <laughs> basically F6 is IRL. Um, the force of will I've become more comfortable with because the vintage dredgeless have started running it um, because really? you can pitch Narcomoeba and pitch prized amalgam and um, you know pitch other things and so I'm getting very good at forcing things you know but um, yeah definitely very new to brainstorm and even ponder and I'm just like I don't know how this works. I can totally yeah. commiserate with you there, Aaron, because when I first started playing Legacy, one of the first decks I picked up was Blue Red Delver, and yes, the first time I brainstormed and like just locked myself because I, did, I didn't have a fetch available or, like, I pondered incorrectly. <laughs> I can't count yeah. the number of times I've messed that up and still continue to to this day, like, I will oh, brainstorm yeah. incorrectly. It is very skill-intensive. But that's one of the things for me that I love about the format is that it really is... It makes you be present when you're playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to these Storm decks real quick, I think it's also important to point out that uh, two of them are the Ad Nauseum Tendrils variant mm-hmm. and one of the eighth place, uh, James Baxter... He's running TES uh, mm. version of the deck. Okay, yes, that's correct. And Jerry, how do we identify the the TES deck? Uh, well, you look for you know the Burning Wish and more importantly the Rite of Flames. <laughs> they also typically run Chrome Mocks, and I believe they also yeah. tend to run empty in the main. Mm-hmm. Yep, that is also true. Yeah. I've seen some storm storm decks. I think uh, well, I think Wilson Hunter may have been playing in the in the vintage event. But he was playing three empties in the main of his vintage uh, vintage storm deck, which is really <laughs> interesting. 
Well, I yeah. played Storm in Modern. I actually liked running Empty's main uh, just because it it uh, felt like a more reliable win, especially when you get like a partial go go off. Like you can get like Storm six and cast Empty and still be totally fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. The goblins will do the job. Right. Yeah. Speaking of legacy, uh, I want to give a shout out to the person who came in 13th place, uh, Michael Keller. Uh, For those who are playing along at home, he is one of the earliest proponents for Legacy Dredge. He's the young man who wrote the primer over at The Source. He's also known as Hollywood. Um, So for him to come out of retirement and play Dredge, and specifically LED Dredge, because he had been on uh, Manalus for a while, uh, for him to come in 13th place is awesome, and his list is really sweet. He has some spicy meatballs here that I'm dying to hear his reasoning for, and um, it's always really great to see you know an old timer like that come come out of the woodwork and oh, do yeah, well. For sure, I think actually, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, the guy who was who was the guy who was running the event, Calvin Jerry, is that his name? We met him mm-hmm, at Calvin. Calvin. Mm-hmm. I think he actually was interviewing him on Facebook. He's I, I I don't remember who it was, but he I remember him saying, "Oh, this is so and so coming out." You know, he hasn't played. I think the last event he played was like EE one. Like the mm-hmm. like, that was like four or five years ago. So I'm curious if that's the same person, but uh. Yeah, it's it's awesome to see that for sure. And uh, anything like anything you really appreciate in the the main deck of this dredge list, Aaron, or is it just sideboard stuff for you? I mean, the whole thing is really interesting. Just the specific, you know, the number. I think I'm more interested in the amount. Like, so, you know, it's common for Dredge to run a lot of four ofs, but mm-hmm. you see he has like two copies of Prized Amalgam and like, you know, three Breakthrough and two Careful Study. And so I'm really interested in, in, in hearing about how he came to those numbers instead of just running the, you know, the typical quad laser list. And shout out to Calvin. Calvin's the young man who helped the boyfriend get the deal on the bazaars uh, cool. that I now get to play with. And yeah, he's. He's a very, very awesome guy. And again, going back to the awesome, you know, eternal community, mm-hmm. he just wants people to have these cards and, and to be able to play with them. Yeah, Calvin is also the one who partners with Joe to make me buy Black Border Dual Lands every time <laughs> right. I see Which him. Which happened so, at Columbus, I remember that. <laughs> I, lo- I love Calvin, but I can't ever see him again. <laughs> yeah, that was, well, I was probably one of the people, because, you know, I, I, I famously don't like white bordered cards. And so when the boyfriend and I first started dating, I was looking through his cards and I was like, baby. <laughs> what is your life right now? And so he he was going to trade a lot of his chaff away anyways, but you know, I would constantly rib him about his choices because even now, you know, he plays modern Merfolk and I'm like, White bordered Lord of the oh, like what am I gonna tell my grandchildren? And so so he went to Calvin and was like, Yeah, my girlfriend's picking on me from white bordered lands and so um so he wanted them by himself, but it was it was extra motivation that I was picking on him nice. for his white bordered book yeah, I mean, What happens if you get on camera and you're playing a deck like that. I mean, jeez. Right? Like, what, what does that say home. about me? You know? Just, <laughs> right. I also, like, go out the back door, like the celebrities and the paparazzi. Again, you know? like, reality is door. a mirror. Reality is a mirror. Are, it all comes back. <laughs> you guys are making me blush, and I have a freaking foiled out legacy deck. <laughs> Come on, guys. Uh, <laughs> While while we're scooping in people though, I do want to give the consolidary consolidary uh, scoop to Bob Huang for coming in ninth place on Breakers. Hey, I put him on the I put him on the top eight list. He's in there. I kept I went all the way down to ninth. <laughs> Uh, also, little, shout out to Bob Wong. He wrote one of the best primers about modern ad nauseum. It's it's like at least two years old, but it's still extremely relevant. It is you know the resource that I I love to point new pilots to. I still use it. I still swear by his list to this day. Um, you know, and shout out. To, I don't think he gets enough love for for being good at modern as well because he wrote a hell of a guide for ad nauseum. Oh, that's all. I didn't even realize he dipped his toe into modern. I know I know him as like a legacy expert and someone who when he puts out a legacy article, even if it's a deck that I'm not interested in playing. 
playing, I'm absolutely reading it because his content is outstanding for sure. Yeah, Andrea Mangucci sort of taken up that mantle too on Channel Fire, but yeah. Channel Fireball. He's streaming a whole bunch. He tweets a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. You know, I really love that he's sort of become their designated eternal guy because not a lot of websites have that that guy right yeah absolutely i think a lot of you know because legacy and and vintage aren't like big cash cows for a lot of these card companies like they might not put the effort into into supporting someone who's really into those formats but shout out to channel fireball for for getting people into the you know supporting people who want to create legacy content i think that's great Mm -hmm. um so so ee7 also had a uh vintage uh tournament um (laughs) and hold on hold on we are not done have you did you see the top 16 uh, of the Legacy event? Uh, yes, there were two mono-red prison decks with the exact same 75. Really? Oh, wow. In, uh, in 10th and uh, 11th place? Yep. Uh, so two of the exact same mono-red prison deck. Uh, I just think that's that's super interesting. I, we've mm. been seeing it put up a lot of results lately. Yes. Like It hasn't been winning events, but it keeps popping up in top 8s and top 16s. Yeah. I think it's really good right now. Like I think that, you know, yeah. Legacy is greedy as hell. You know, you've got mm-hmm. this check pile running around. You've got, you know, people stretching their mana bases to the brink just to be able to fit Leovold and all these other things they're doing and run Wastelands. And I think that just being able to slam a turn one Blood Moon is really good right now. I think, you know, even Chalice, you know, when you're playing an eternal format where your spells are all really, really cheap and tend to cost the same amount of mana, Again, Chalice on one is backbreaking. Uh, Trinosphere even cheating on a Trinosphere in a format where everything costs you know three or less really can slow people down. And you know I'm not surprised to see it doing well in Legacy. I'm surprised more people aren't playing it. But I I think it I think it has a lot of the I think it has a lot of foils to what's going on in Legacy right now. Yeah. Also, I think a big thing was the printing of Chandra Tortured Defiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a huge upgrade to the deck. Uh, it's been a pretty much a four of in every list that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I have to say the one card that's been really disappointing uh, for me, at least when I was practicing for VSO, was Harsh Mentor. Mm. Um, that was one of those that I think a lot of people thought that that was going to invigorate that deck. And when I played it, it was really disappointing. And I'm not surprised to see a lot of these lists not even bothering with it because it's a card you yeah. think would be good, and it's really not. Yeah, I think like I think by the time I mean I. I think especially like I was salivating when I saw that and top was still a thing, but I think top got right. banned right before that became out, before that mm-hmm. came out. But I think also like in retrospect, perhaps like by the time miracles is topping like two three times a turn, your harsh mentor may not may not matter at that point anymore. You know what I mean? So. Well, a know. big thing with this deck, too, is, like, Harsh Mentor, one of its biggest attractions is shutting, or not shutting down, but causing uh, fetch lands to do extra damage, yeah. and a deck that runs eight Blood Moons, you don't even have that outlet, either. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah who cares at that point? So yeah, and Vintage, of... the problem is you're dealing with just mana rocks, and there's nothing right. worse than having a Harsh Mentor out and watching when your opponent moxes their brains out, because it doesn't it doesn't do anything. I've been pleasantly surprised with um, Scab Clan Berserker, which is, uh, a, a, you know, I think, an uncommon from Origins, and that's another one that can be really good against the Storm decks. You know, every time you cast a non-creature spell, it's two damage, um, and that can add up really, really quick, and it doesn't affect you, either. It's not an Eidolon where you can hurt yourself. Um, but, you know, I think there's just some really good tools in red right now. Hmm. I actually, I, I don't even recall that card, but I'm looking at it right now. It's a 2-2 for I, Yeah, I had it used against me in Vegas, and that was definitely one where I had to read it, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a thing. I've seen it in vintage lists. Um, it's, it's surprisingly good. Huh, really cool. Um, so one other deck that also bleeds into the vintage, because this individual top 16s both vintage and legacy with the same deck title, 
Uh, are you, uh, did you see this Leo and Dr. Bob? Yes, I like <laughs> by that. Joe Brennan. Um, <laughs> one thing I wanted to just mention, too, uh, the, the exact same 75, including the, the one of Witchbane Orb in the sideboard, which is a card I had mm. never heard of as well. So, But yeah, Jerry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Warren, uh, Liam, and Anthony Loman both playing Mono Red Prison. Yeah, I think they're probably buddies and like came to the conclusion that this or, is the good best 75. Perhaps they're Siamese twins, and that's why they're in 10th and 11th. I think I saw this on Unsolved Mysteries once. Like, you know, they have long different lost last siblings names. that are like on the same wavelength. <laughs> Psychics. Yeah. Uh, so going over the spicy legacy deck, I really like this Leo and Dr. Bob. 16th place, four Baleful Strix, four Deathrite Shaman, one Edric Spymaster of Trest, one oh. Eternal Witness, three uh, Leovold Emissary of Trest, one uh, Ramunap Excavator, Yep. Card is uh, the truth. That card's real good. Uh, yeah. One Reclamation Sage, one Scavenging Ooze, and one Tarmogoyth. <laughs> and it's running four Green Sun Zeniths to find all these spicy green creatures. Uh, three Abrupt Decay for removal, backed up by two Fatal Push. Got the usual suite of four Brainstorm, four Force of Will, four Ponder. One Murderous Cut which we saw take a big fall off uh, when mm. Fatal Push was printed, but I'm guessing that Murderous Cut is to hedge against things like uh, Gurmag Angler. That's right. Uh, that Abrupt Decay and Fatal Push can't deal with. Mm-hmm. And my man, two copies of Unearth. That's something 16. we were talking about like two, like three or four weeks ago. Where we're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, this is, this why is no one playing legacy. this card? <laughs> yeah, Seems so great I was, for Leovold. Yeah, I, I, I'm loving that he's running on Earth, um, especially with all of his one-ofs. Yeah. The fact that he's only running one Reclamation Sage, one Room Map Excavator, one Tarmogoyf. You know, unearthing an Eternal Witness is pure value. Oh, think about unearthing, <laughs> you know what I didn't even think of? Unearthing a Baleful Strix. It's like, Baleful Strix is a card draw and removal spell in itself, and you get to unearth him for a single black mana. Seems real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, these are cards that, again, are seeing play. A Leovold is starting to break through in Vintage. Now, Ramanov mm-hmm. Excavator has kind of cemented its status as being a Vintage card. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. When we had the, the the first night of Vintage Super League, uh, two of the boys were playing bug decks. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Ramanov Excavator stole the show. Like, wow. it was a card that people were very impressed by. Um, and, you know, we're kind of seeing that. You know, now that Mon- Mentor has been restricted, you know, you need something to kind of... Uh, the blue decks need to go in, in a direction. And it also happens to foil other blue decks as well and so you know we're starting to see leovold make some headway into vintage too which i think is really exciting mm-hmm. you know i the, the deck the deck title here jerry i expected to see dark confidant here but there's no dark confidant yeah um, who's dr wonder... bob <laughs> uh, dr got... bob is killing people with leyline of the void did you guys see that <laughs> oh that's the other thing i wanted to mention was that this gentleman in particular lost well no actually no grim in this guy because he's not running he's not running is this no. what's wrong? No. It, wasn't it Joe Brennan, though, who lost to Double Ley Line off the top? But this is the Legacy build. Uh, maybe the Vintage oh, version. Yeah. Had oh, he was running the Vintage version with that. Oh, I before, see, I see. Before we move, because, yeah, he also top 16, the uh, Vintage portion. Oh, I wow. also just want to point out, in his sideboard of his Legacy builds, he's running two copies of Far and Away. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> which is the uh, Ravnica block uh, draft staple. Far, it's a split card, one in a blue, return target creature to its owner's hand, and then it also has a way 
two and a black, target player sacrifices a creature. Uh, I kind of like that. It's like a Vapor Snag and Diabolic Edict stapled onto the same card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can use it early for some value, or if you top deck it late, which I'm guessing is, you know, he's boarding it in for the grindy matchups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's pretty easy to get to five mana with uh, Ramunap uh, Excavator, Recurring Your Fetch Lands, and Deathrite Shamans if you don't play the Fetch Lands over again. You know, I, I see this deck getting up to five mana fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's some serious value. Yeah, that's really interesting. And he's also running four copies of Green Sun Zenith, which I didn't see. So I saw the one of <laughs> Dryad Arbor. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But Green Sun makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he can also far his own creatures for value, like cast far an Eternal Witness. <laughs> oh, Let's right. Let's talk yeah. about him dying to his bobs because that was yeah. the highlight of my weekend. <laughs> Let's move on to Vintage. <laughs> so, so read his uh, read his Vintage build off. So yeah, the Vintage uh, top eight. And I, again, we I know you mentioned it, uh, Aaron. I did want to talk about the Sunny Dredge list, but. Oh uh, yeah, let's talk about. You want to talk about Joe's vintage list? Yeah, the Leo and Doctor Bob. He came actually came in fifth place in the vintage uh, side of things, and that's running the the four. The, that's running the four of Dark Confidant there. And oh a yeah, Trigon Predator. What? Yeah, <laughs> Trigon Predator is real good at vintage. There are oh, yeah. a lot of artifacts running around. Oh, that is super sweet. Vintage, like you know what it reminds me of is you had mentioned Aaron. There's so many one ofs. It must feel almost like almost like a. a commander in that sense because there's so many fun ofs in your deck <laughs> it does until you realize the frequency at which they have them like the number of god hands i see people having are just disgusting for being one ofs it's amazing how many times these people just going off at like record speed <laughs> um so yeah so four dark confidant four death rate three leovold one ramanap excavator two snapcaster and one trigon predator two papa jace yes uh, three Abrupt Decay, uh, an Ancestral, a Lotus, a Brainstorm, a Demonic Tutor, Fatal Push, Flusterstorm, all one-ofs, uh, except for Abrupt Decay, three of those. Uh, four Force of Will, four Mental Misstep, which I, I've heard the, uh, the Tusk guys, uh, just berate, uh, it's like, very, very, do not like that card at all, uh, <laughs> Um, uh, one Mox Emerald, one Mox Jet, one Mox Sapphire, two Null Rod, one Ponder, one Time Walk, and one Vampiric Tutor. Uh, sideboard's interesting with energy flu- three energy flux, a fatal push, two graft diggers cage, four leyline of the void, which is the card that <laughs> this story or- originates from, uh, two mind break trap, two nature's claim, and one toxic deluge. <laughs> I thankfully caught this clip, Aaron, because you had posted it on, I think it was Facebook <laughs> or Twitter, and I saw it, and I was looking at it, and I'm like, at first I couldn't, I couldn't figure out why he was dying, To I couldn't figure out why he was revealing cards, and then I saw the two bobs, and I'm like, oh no, just goes from eight to zero, like... Leyline, Leyline dead. <laughs> so he had, so he was facing Dredge, and it wasn't looking good for Dredge. So he had had a Leyline game two and game three, and, and Dredge was having a really hard time getting around it. Um, but he also wasn't doing much either. You know, Joe wasn't doing much either to kind of advance his board. And so, you know, his Dredge opponent had a Narcomoeba and a Hollowed One, and uh, Joe decided that he just needed, I think he needed to dig. So I think, again, he wasn't finding anything to really set up his board. So he eventually placed two Dark Confidants, um, and Chat is kind of a of the impression that the Dredge player is going, okay, I'm not going to beat this Leyline, but maybe he'll kill himself with his bobs. And so Dredge decides they're not going to attack in with the Hollowed One. They're just going to stay there and just hope he chips away at himself enough. Um, and what ended up happening was Joe got himself down to eight, and both of his bob triggers ended up revealing Leyline of the Void. 
Um, and because a ley line was already on the board, Dredge had no creatures for a Deathrite Shaman to eat. Um, and because he wasn't adva- advancing his board, I mean, Joe also had nothing to eat. So there's a Deathrite Shaman on board. Um, but the first Bob flips, it's ley line of the void. He goes down to four, and then it does it again, and mm. Chat just lost it. It was just one of those rare, it's pretty rare that that happens. Yeah. And just in the irony of losing to the hate card that Dredge does not want to see, to that card being your death is just gold. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I mean, considering, like, the, the CMC of the deck has got to be, like, around two or so, and just, like, flipping double ley line, it's brutal. Well, he's also running four Force of Wills and mm. two Jaces. I mean, there was potential to, like, really hurt yourself here, um, but, you know, the, I think adding the ley lines gave him more CMC cards, and he just kind of paid for it. So that's a good question. Is, is Force of Wills something that you would keep in against Vintage Dredge? Because I truly don't I probably know wouldn't. Enough to say. No, like, because I mean, the only thing we really care about is dread return, and we can always cabal therapy first if we want to. Like, you know, you could maybe. I, I think there's an argument for keeping in the missteps because we're probably going to bring in things like nature's claim or like fragmentize or one mana answers like that. But um, I don't think force of will is very good. Like, I'm always surprised. I'm always surprised when people keep in discard spells against me. I'm just like, yeah, really? Is- like, <laughs> it happens uh, a lot. I'm just why'd like, why'd you give him to Torax? Yeah, like, okay, and so. So, no, I don't think Force is, is very good here, especially seeing all the options he has to bring in. I don't think he needs to he needs to do that. So the other deck I wanted to talk about, and since we have a, a Dredge aficionado on the cast, was this Sunny Dredge deck, which just like caught my eye, just the name of it itself. But it's running <laughs> it's running the the three of Sun Titan in the main. Is this yeah. something that you see around a lot in in Vintage? So this was a version that was popular years ago. Um, it ran Fate Stitcher and Sun Titan, and you know the the, the big theory with or the big the big concept with Vintage Dredge is you want to get your game one to be a, as as stellar as possible because game two and three is such a slog. You know you really want to make sure your game one win percentage is, is through the roof, and you know one of the ways that you can do that is by racing. And you know if you're able to you know bring back a Fate Stitcher, which can then untap your Bazaar, you can essentially get two Bazaar activations, which should push you over the top. Top, or if you're able to dread return into a Sun Titan, Sun Titan grabs another Bazaar, and you're kind of off to the races. So it's supposed to be just a faster version of Dredge, um, without a lot of the bells and whistles like Dragon or Colagon or things like that. Um, and what I really like about the Sunny Dredge list, and something I've had a lot of experience with lately, is the sideboard plan. Uh, Gurmog Angler and Hollow One. Sometimes yeah. free four fours just yeah. get there. Um, <laughs> and I was going to ask, like Hollow One doing work in in uh, Vintage lately. I've been posting screenshots where people like, you know, will find their graph diggers cage and they'll keep they'll oftentimes keep a really bad hand because it has cage and you just start spitting four fours and people don't know what to do. <laughs> Um, or even Grimog Angler, you know, a lot of the answers that people have don't actually remove your graveyard. You know, they might play a Containment Priest, they might play a, play a Cage. You can still dredge to fill your yard enough and then just start making one mana five fives. Like, that's yep. really good, too. And um, I've, I've been really happy with that sideboard plan, and so it's nice to see that it kind of took off. Yeah, I really like that a lot. I've, I've seen a lot of, like, turn one hollow ones from out yeah. of dredge, which is like... I had two so one day. It was glorious. Oh, it was like a hug from Jesus. Just... <laughs> I want to know. I want to know how this deck, its name hasn't been shortened to Sunny D. This seems like yeah. a tragedy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't name it. I've never heard it called Sunny Dredge before. I've always just. I mean, the one time I played it, I called it Face Stitcher Dredge. Some people call it Blue Dredge. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really know. Um, I, I was surprised too. Like when I saw it. Um, when I saw the heading on the stream, I had asked the chat, "What does this mean?" And they were like, "Oh, it's Sun Titan." And I was like, "That makes sense." <laughs> You're missing a golden opportunity, Magic Community. I am starting a petition that we change Sunny Dredge to Sunny D and add it, I think, a honorary mention to the breakfast cereal 
pantheon of decks. I don't know. I'm a redhead, though. I don't know if I want Sunny D. Like, <laughs> I don't want to have to the... put sunscreen on for, for the D. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the juice concentrate. I, I know. I'm just, I was just going to play on the name. I was just saying, you know, I'm not a fan of Sunny D. <laughs> Evening D, yes. But... <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> uh, help uh, me, Jesus. So, so we did have <laughs> we did have the uh, the MKM series uh, event as well across the pond this weekend, um, and they had a, a legacy event of 298 players. And we can go over the top eight real quick. Uh, Sneak and Show took it down, piloted by Dennis Zenz. Uh, mm-hmm. Was there anything interesting in this list, Jerry? I know you're a uh, our, uh, our, our Sneak and Show aficionado here. Have not even pulled it up, so give me <laughs> uno momento. He's done his it, homework. I was Great. still on EE. Oh, okay. You were still on Boston Market. Boss, you got Boston Market for me? You got one <laughs> drumstick in your hand. So uh, let's let's take a look at this list. Uh, it's three cunning wishes. Yeah, sorry, you run it, run down it. Yeah, so this is yeah this is the the cunning wish version that our friend uh, Jason is such a huge fan of. But basically, three grizzle brand, three armor cool, three pedal, three sneak attack, three omniscience, four brainstorm, a fluster storm, two spell pierce, three cunning wish, uh, an intuition in the main, four force, four ponder, three preordain, four show and tell, and. Just running like a bunch of one ofs in the in the sideboard. Firemind's foresight through the breach. Uh, Kozilek's return. Eldorado's I'm really control. impressed with the Kozilek's return. That is, yeah, Jerry, Jerry can attest. That's been really good in, the, in that deck, don't you think, yeah. Jerry? It's gone down in value since Leovold was printed. It is better in the Cunning Wish version because they can wish for it mm-hmm. uh, to clear the way. And if you have a Emer- if you have an Omniscience out and you cast Emrakul, you can actually flash it back. I've never actually seen <laughs> never actually seen Kozlek's Return actually uh, come back to deal five to each creature, but it is technically a possibility. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, Eldorami's Call. That is pretty sweet in the Cutting Wish deck. Is that something that you mm-hmm. see, Jerry, in the sideboards a lot? Um, it, it pops up from time to time. Okay. Um, it's just nice because you can just, you know, it's it's like having an Emrakul that you can Cunning Wish for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, boyfriend really enjoys it, too. He plays Omnitel. He really yeah. loves the, the blue-black version, and he loves that card. <laughs> yeah, I like I like it a lot in the blue-black version. Um uh, but yeah, Eldrami's Call, you j- basically Cunning Wish for Eldrami's Call, and Eldrami's Call lets you search for Emrakul, and you're doing this all with an Omniscience in play, so it's just yeah. one, two, three, four, you're dead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, an Eldrazi deck in the top eight, which is I love to see, because I, I do enjoy that deck. But I'm looking at the, de- the deck list real quick, and I see one, two, three, at least four of these deck lists with running at least a single copy of Leovold in the main. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Leovold has certainly made his way in his name and legacy for sure. I added sense. I added a braid to the sideboard of my sneak and show deck because Leovold is just so popular right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so I, like the fact that he's that, a three three. Jeez. How about that copy of Food Chain? Like I love the yeah. Food Chain just has its diehard fans and they will play it no matter what. And and I think it's great. Food Chain's actually decent. Yeah, it's decent. Food better and right Alurin, now. And Alurin have like both kind of made their way Less back so into Alurin. the meta. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe just maybe food, just on our food, Facebook page, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, Aluren's popular. It's just Food Chain is just straight up a better version of Aluren. Like both mm-hmm. Food Chain and Aluren pretty much are creature-based combo decks. Food Chain's just cheaper, and its creatures are better. Do you yeah. do you think that Food Chain, like the Walking Ballista, is just what put Food Chain over the top? Yeah, oh, hundred percent. Uh, like I, Walking, I have played against Food Chain, and I've lost games that I would have won if they didn't have Walking Ballista. Oh, same, same. Mm-hmm. I, I've I've been like I've had them dead on board, and they just like play Walking Ballista on their last turn and just kill me. 
kill me there. Oh yeah. Can we talk about how? And I'm I'm fascinated by this. I love the differences in the metas. You know, MKM happens in Europe, and you know, I love the differences between the European meta. You know, when you look at the the top eight from EE, you know, you see three <laughs> storm decks and a burn deck, whereas you look at the the MKM one, you know, and instead you're seeing you know three or four Leoville decks, you know, sneak and show food chain. I'm always fascinated by by things like that. You know, the the things you see in different regions. Yeah, and that's hilarious because sure. those are like swapped of what they usually are. Usually Europe is the hotbed for storm players and yeah. combo decks. So it's it's really funny if if you had just shown me these top eights and told me one was from one, I would have assumed that they would be switched. Mm-hmm. Also, shout out to uh, Marius Bender bringing Canadian Threshold into a top eight. I was gonna point that. Out. <laughs> bring that Canadian Threshold great again. Yeah, seriously, uh, <laughs> like Nimble making it getting it done. Someone now. needs to because I went deep on foil hooting mandrels, thinking that was gonna be the call <laughs> instead of Gurmag. Anglers, so someone needs to make Uding Mandrels great. You, you see the copy of Compost in his graveyard, in his cyborg. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's nifty. That's <laughs> Compost, old favorite from. Uh, I remember it from seventh edition, but it's. I remember from, from Tempest. From Tempest, yeah. yeah. One yeah. in a green. Whenever a black card is put into an opponent's graveyard, you may draw a card. <laughs> that that would be hilarious against Dredge. And by yeah. Tempest, I mean Destiny. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, super super awesome. Um, and there was also a vintage top eight, which we can talk about really quickly. Uh, less players in this event, just thirty four players. But our friend. Uh, we had we've had him on the podcast before, Julian Knob. Does uh, he ever lose? He's just I like amazing. Like, and this I he didn't even like have Yoshi this time. I feel Yoshi like every more. time I turn around, he's top eighting something, he's winning something. I don't think I've ever seen him say I had an O2 drop or I you know, whatever. <laughs> he's consistently crushing. Like I wanna know what's I wanna know what he's made up of. Are you saying there's a bribery scandal going on here? No, I think he's just sort of like a <laughs> Seth Manfield. You know how Seth Manfield goes on those those benders where he just wrecks, and I think Julian's made it the same. You know, whatever those components are, just he just slays in these older yeah. formats. Yeah, he's he's amazing. Well, Jerry Jerry had a really good sit down with him a, a few months ago when we interviewed him just for an Elves episode for the podcast. And listening to the way that he sees the format and perceives the matchups is so enlightening. Uh, he mm. just like goes so much deeper than than I have the the ability to. So um, okay. awesome to see him take it down. R- we're running affinity shops, but we did see standstill, paradoxical storm in the top eight, piloted by Rodrigo Tagoras, who's an excellent storm player. Uh, Julian obviously on affinity. Uh, Henrik uh, on white Eldrazi. We had another white Eldrazi deck. Another three. Paradox- yeah, actually, yeah, three, three. Which white is Eldrazi interesting. Decks. Yeah, because white Eldrazi, white Eldrazi had a had a thing earlier this year. Um, and it kind of went away. And, you know, going back to the difference in the regional metagames, you know, I haven't seen White Eldrazi in ages. And so to see it really bust out here and do input three in the top eight is, is something we're talking about in the, in the vintage scene. Yeah, really interesting. Um, I think the Eldrazi deck is really neat because it's it's a nice way for people to... I mean, there's obviously unpowered Eldrazi decks as well. They don't have to run the Moxon. Mm-hmm. Um, that seem to do pretty well in vintage. Um, so I think it's a cool way to get into the format. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely... Uh, it's it's going around. It's really interesting. Blade yeah, and it splicer. runs, you know, the Blade Splicers, the Thalias, um, sometimes both main deck containment priest, which is rude. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely got a lot of, and again, I think it's sort of like what we talked about with the, with the dragon decks, where it just has a lot of answers to what's happening in the format right now. You know, you see mm-hmm. Spirit of the Labyrinth where everybody's drawing, you have people and casting ancestral and drawing three and you have people pondering and, you know, it answers that. You have Kataki in a format where everybody's running Moxen and everybody's running, you know, time vaults and things like that. You know, these things just happen to line up to what's happening in the format. And I'm not surprised to see a deck like this, you know, doing well because it, 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 it can take what's happening. And I would also just say that this deck is barely an Eldrazi deck because it is running like 11 Eldrazi <laughs> and 8 humans. So it's pretty, it's almost almost like a, a Death and Taxes deck in that sense. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, deck is deck is sweet for sure. Um, yeah. No dredge in the top eight here, huh? No, but we did, you know, we did make up for it in, in EE. So Absolutely. I'm fine to, I'm fine to let that happen. <laughs> um, all right. So let's see. Um, Aaron, I know you, obviously you're, Starting your community manager position for Card Hoarder very soon, right? You were you were mentioning that earlier. Yeah, my last day with J.P. Morgan is tomorrow. We're recording on a Monday night for those listening, and so my first day is the twentieth, and uh, I'm slightly terrified. <laughs> that's a big step. That's a that's an amazing step, though. That's that's gonna yeah, be like oh. Yeah, it's a really big step. You know, I think when you decide to make magic your career, you sort of buy into the variance of it. You know, no pun intended. But, you know, you go from a, you go from, you know, because whatever happens in magic, you sort of take the brunt of where, you know, if magic happens to, you know, do poorly or the economy crashes or, you know, something happens in magic online, you know, that's something that can affect you, that can affect your income and can affect your, your livelihood. And to go from, you know, a very safe job at JP Morgan, where barring any really unforeseen circumstances, you know, mortgages aren't going anywhere, JP Morgan's not going anywhere, to essentially being a contractor, you know, and, and, and being at the whim of the economy and the community um, is very scary. But I do think overall it's going to be a better a better thing for me. I've been very unhappy with my, my day job for a while. And I think just being able to, to quit your day job and do geeky things for a living, I think, is really the dream. And, yeah, you know, being able to work from home and do some traveling and, and not having to commute and just little little lifestyle improvements, I think it's ultimately going to be a good thing. Now, so tell me exactly what like a community manager does because I'm not totally like 100% sure of what they what they do. What are you expected to do for for Carpenter? So I'll be managing all their social media accounts. I'll be managing their Twitter, their Facebook, their keeping track of their Reddit presence on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be dealing with the customer interactions. So if somebody has a bad interaction with the bots or with the the customer service people on Moto, it'll be my job to sort of de-escalate that or to kind of right that wrong and get them to come back with the company. Um, I'll be dealing with the stream team. So if people decide that they want to work with us and, and get sponsored by us or have a relationship with us, it'll be my job to either encourage them to apply or to sort of approve or decline those applications, Um, you know, make sure that everybody on the stream team is sort of pulling their weight and that they're using the cards the way they should be. Um, I would love to see us promoting our streamers a little bit more. I think that's Mm -hmm. something we don't do enough, and I I plan on bringing that up to my superiors about that. Um, But, you know, keeping track of the paper team as well, because there's a paper team card hoarder that travels around Mm -hmm. and make sure that, you know, they're being talked about and that they're being promoted when they have feature matches and things like that and um, card hoarder does a lot of things for the community as well i know that there's several initiatives they have in the pipe and you know they really need somebody to help them you know flesh them out and that'll be my job to to do that super cool yeah i can i can speak from experience as far as buying from card hoarder dealing with them on magic online i've not, i've only had uh, very positive experiences from them so i think you're getting it with a great group of people over there also their podcast is is definitely worth listening to too um they have some really good people on there uh they talk about not as much legacy uh so i don't listen to it very often but if, when i have the occasion um when i have the time to I, I, I pop in there and take a listen so um, yeah i'll be on there tomorrow night oh so super awesome. busy week of promo for me <laughs> <laughs> i will be taking a listen to that for sure then that's great um 
Very cool. So, so first of all, yeah, obviously, congrats on that. That's an amazing step uh, you're taking in your career there. Thank you. Um, so the other thing I wanted to bring up, and just because we have a little time here, we're, we're not running as long as I thought we would, which is great, um, was Commander. So you can you tell us a little bit about You've kind of like taking the dip into Commander, right? Uh, it's something I'm like looking to do as well. So can you tell me a little bit about Commander and like how, what your approach to that format? Yeah, I I never used to be big on Commander. You know, in fact, I used to scoff at Commander players. You know, anytime spoiler season comes around, I feel like Commander players are the first to chime in. You know, before the pros, before <laughs> the standard players, there's always that one Commander person that's like, this is perfect in my Mina and Dan Bella, the Nightclad deck. And you're like, that's nice. What do you think about this, Jerry Thompson? You know, like you're just looking for like, you know, they're always the first ones to speak up. God bless them. But yeah, I never, I never used to, I never really played a lot of Commander. And I really credit that to, you know, I found a really great local play group where, you know, my friend Chris and I, we found our friends Peter and Christina and Corey. And, you know, Commander, a phrase that often gets thrown about with Commander is the social contract. And, you know, the, the times that I wasn't enjoying Commander, I was really playing with just kind of the wrong people. You know, like I like my Commander to be very lulzy. You know, I like the games to go kind of long. You know, I don't like infinite combos. I don't put a lot of money into my commander decks. You know, I try not to spend more than $100 on a commander deck if I can help it. And, you know, just finding people who are on the same page as you, the, again, the social contract, who all agree going into it that you're all going to play for fun and you're all, you're all not going to do anything too broken. I think that really helped. And so we started playing every two weeks and uh, I just really love the group that I play with. And, you know, they've inspired me to want to keep looking for new decks and, and keep building decks. And, you know, there's a lot of great resources out there if you are on a budget. Um, I know I discovered a new one the other day on Tapped Out that had several decks that were no more than $100. And um, it's really easy to get into, um, and I'm just having a blast. I think I'm working on a Hirobi deck next. Um, so I'm literally just gathering, like, black target creature, go, and just <laughs> seeing what it spits out, and, and it's a lot of fun. Nice, yeah. I, uh, I We had Hascon uh, last two weeks ago, I guess. Um, and uh, with some tickets I won, and uh, Jerry donated a couple as well, I was able to pick up the Wizards pre-con, so I'm looking to perhaps upgrade that and get into some Commander, because I find myself at events, and like uh, not having a Commander deck sometimes is a hindrance, because people are off to go play in little pods of Commander, and I, I just like to have something kicking around in my bag that, again, I'm not putting a ton of money into, but at least I have something to play when I want to play it. Yeah, I mean, if you did you go to the Command Zone party in Vegas? Uh, I did not, cause, because, again, I had no interest in commander even in vegas like i literally just picked up this wizards deck because like i know jerry plays commander and there's some other people in our local play groups who play commander um and i'm like oh well i might as well get a deck but i did i did i have been checking out like uh the command zone has awesome uh, youtube content with like game nights and mm-hmm. i found that to be extremely entertaining um really fun to watch people play commander like with just really like pre-con decks um so i highly recommend that people are looking to get into it but did you get a chance to go to that that party in vegas yeah, their party was ridiculous. I remember we had we couldn't even find a table for like the first ten minutes after we got there because it was packed. I think they estimated like over five hundred people turned out for it just across just just throughout the night and maybe even more. But MTG Goldfish in particular, I want to give them a shout out because anytime the precons come out, they do an article series about budget upgrades. They've mm-hmm. been taking a little while on this current crop, but if you go back and look at like the last two or three precon sets, they've written these articles where you can upgrade them for like no more than thirty dollars. And I'm 
remember when the Daxos uh, precon came out, I invested in that one, and again, just like twenty, thirty dollars worth of singles, and it made the deck amazing. Oh, um, so if you are a fan of the precons and you're looking for again just some really cheap options, I cannot recommend that article series enough because um, for the last three sets they've just made really good recommendations and really cheap cards and still very powerful. And I, I never hesitate to to point people in that direction. Awesome, yeah. I will, I will certainly check that out myself, and I'll throw a link in the show notes as well for people who are who are interested in doing that. Um, Commander just seems like such a fun, casual format. And, like, when I play Legacy, it's very much... I'm very much about winning. Um, I don't play Legacy, like, as much, like, as, in a, as a relaxed format. Um, but but EDH seems to be the place that would scratch that itch for me, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Can I tell you about the time I tried... Can I tell you about the time my boyfriend uh, tried playing EDH with us? Oh, uh, yes. Because <laughs> my boyfriend's like you. You know, he doesn't really... Play, he never, doesn't really play EDH, and he comes from sort of a very competitive background. So um, so the boyfriend had wanted to get into EDH because he saw me going to this pod every two weeks, and he, you know, he wanted to be a part of whatever I was doing. But he also didn't have a commander deck. And I was like, well, baby, it's like there's somebody in my pod who just uses whatever she has laying around the house. And he's like... I can do that. So he, you know, he runs over, he starts going through his piles and he finds a general Tazri and he's like, I'm going to build an allies deck. And I was like, you go baby. I was like, you built yourself an allies deck, you know, being that supportive <laughs> girlfriend, you know? Um, so we go to commander the next day and it's Chris, Chris's friend, Aaron, uh, who we call boy Aaron. Um, and then the boyfriend and me. And so we go to this thing. And again, we're all just sort of budget lulzy commander players. You know, we, we agreed going into it that it was going to be this. So we, we start playing and turn one, the boyfriend, Coast Wooded Foothills. <laughs> Which is already doing too much. You have to understand, I'm running the Trilands from cons. Like yeah. no one's running fetches here. So Chris immediately raises an eyebrow and looks at me. He cracks the fetch and he goes, Tyga? And I'm like, Baby, you did you seriously bring your duels to budget EDH? And am I whiteboarded? He goes, you told me to use whatever's laying around the house. He's like, I'm not using my tigers. I'm not using my savannas. I was like, baby, I meant, when I when I said use things laying around the house, I meant temples. I meant gilgates. I was like, I didn't mean your duels. And so he's just like, oh, sorry. So then turn two rolls around, and he fetches again, and he goes, um, tropical island? I'm like, oh, my God. And Chris is looking at me like this bitch. And I was just like... Baby, and then like I appreciate your enthusiasm. I was like, but you could, can you do like at least Ravnica duels? It's like you don't have to do all that. And of course, he ended up smoking us because he had like perfect mana. And the whole time, everybody else is mean mugging me, and I'm like, I know, I know. And so, um, so he has since uh, fixed that, and now he's using I think the Ice Age Painlands or something. Oh, nice. But, yeah, you know, I just remember, and and I just kind of kicked myself because I did tell him I was like, oh, you know, just use whatever's laying around the house. But what's laying around his house is very different than what's laying around my house, and so. <laughs> I had to kind of let him know, like, you know, good try, but <laughs> it's doing amazing. a little too much. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's one thing I'm concerned about is, like, I know you can turn the Anala deck into, like, a combo deck where you, there's, like, some merfolk that you basically take infinite turns and create infinite merfolk and then kill, oh. kill players, and I don't think that's something that's going to go over well with playgroups, so I think I'm just going to do exactly what you said, just, like, very casual, like, I'm just going to play, a, like, a very casual Wizards deck and see how that goes. I made that mistake with my Shroom deck. I recently built a Shroom list, and I know that Shroom is notorious for infinite combos, but I thought I had picked a an underpowered list. There was a list I found on MTG Salvation that was billed as, like, a $100 Shroom, and I was like, oh, this looks fine, and I ended up building it, and I was at GP Minneapolis with Mike Lindemann and friends at Vorthos Mike from Gathering Magic. And before we get started, Mike looks at me and he goes, so on a scale of 1 to 10, like how competitive would you say your deck is? And I was like, um, like a 
five and he's like okay cool we get playing and cut to me like looping spine of Ishtar um, <laughs> cut to me casting soul scour which is destroy everything but artifacts which I conveniently have a board full of and after we get done he goes um that's not a five and I was like yeah and so you know that just happens to be one of those commanders that no matter how you slice it you're gonna end up doing broken shit and here i was trying really hard not to be that girl and i ended up being that girl and all of a sudden i'm looping just scour glasses another one where i'm like wiping the board every upkeep and yeah they they were just really tired of my bullshit (laughs) so you find like commander to be most enjoyable like when when people are playing very casually when it's not a bunch of combo based decks when they're not like quote-unquote tier one edh decks basically yeah, my first experience with Commander was really negative, and I still don't talk to her because of it. That was four <laughs> years ago. Still don't like her. Yeah, so the, my first experience playing Commander was very, very negative. I had played at my local game store, and I remember that was a big concern of mine. Uh, when they invited me to play with them, I was like, you know, I'm not really a fan of, like, competitive. I, you know, I really want it to be kind of fun, and they were like, it'll totally be fun. And she was playing some goblin list with, like, goblin crafter, goblin surgeon, and before I knew it, we were all dead on turn five. And I was just like, you told me this wasn't going to happen. And she was like, well, it did. Pack them up. And I was like, no, that's not... <laughs> And, you know, that really kind of soured me, you know, and, and you know, I think it, it wasn't until I found my friends and I found my pot or I found my tribe that, you know, I was really interested in playing Commander again. But, you know, that's that's something I definitely do ask people, you know, when I go to events and people say you want to like, play Commander, I make it very clear that I'm not I'm not in all that. You know, I'm playing a hundred dollar deck. I, it, I'm probably not going to win until like turn 70. Um, I'm not looking for that. And, and, and people have been really positive about that. You know, no one's been shitty about it. You know, if anything, oh, they appreciate me putting that out there because then they're like i don't really like that and it's fine but i feel like that's um i feel like that's the biggest obstacle the commander is just running into people with different interests than you and it really sours people yeah yeah for sure what about you what about you jerry what's your bit of your experience with with commander in general ah so me and my friends play dan mike garo we, we get together and we play and our problem that we ran into was that we decided we were going to come up with our own ban list <laughs> where we we are going to have a, uh, you know, use the regular ban list. And then if at any point a group majority decided that a card was too good and it had to be banned, it would be a house rules ban. <laughs> 200 banned cards later, we decided <laughs> that this was not the way to do it. Because literally any time someone won the game, a card from their deck would be banned by the group. <laughs> like... First it was like Glenelendra, then it was Tassiger. <laughs> just so like you weren't going for the six months of data uh, route, were you? <laughs> it was a very much emotionally driven, uh, you know, decision. And we're kind of we're kind of like at a medium between competitive and casual, where we don't play highly tuned, optimized decks, but because we're all legacy players, we still want to be doing things that are popular, uh, powerful. Mm-hmm. So it's like, in my Nekezer deck, I'll run, like, the Sanguine Blood combo that's, like, an instant kill combo because I like to do those things. But <laughs> I'm still not playing that until, like, turn 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we're not just, like, yeah. pure ramp and tutor fear kill conditions. It's, we have these instant speed win conditions, but we're going to naturally draw them out of our deck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting. I, I'm, I'm interested to get into the format. It's just something else that I'm kind of looking around with and uh, and going to take a, a dive into it goes <laughs> uh all right well since we're getting towards the end of this episode i know i know aaron has a great story for us we want to do story time this week i think maybe this is I, a recurring segment <laughs> i also have a story after aaron because i have a few <laughs> she's gonna slander me so oh man 
He's already, it's going to be like he said, she said, or like... <laughs> no, mine's a different story. Okay, I thought you... <laughs> so I wanted to tell the story, because uh, I'm sure people have seen on the Facebook group or just on social media that I love to make reference to uh, the time that Jerry ruined dinner. And I don't think I've ever like told the story. Because <laughs> you know you're guilty, that's why you're laughing. <laughs> I like I'm yes I'm guilty of having friendships. Yeah, I don't ain't nobody got yeah, I play dredge. I don't have friends. It's just <laughs> friends just get in the way of of your graveyard. But so um so this is the story of how Jerry ruined dinner. So we were at GP Louisville back in January and this was a Saturday night. So this was after day 1. We had played 9 rounds of magic and it was Jerry Patrick, uh, your friend Alex, who was on Reanimator, uh, your friend Joe, and then it was Lisa, me, and Chris. So it was seven people, and we decided we were going to go to this Brazilian steakhouse. So we got there first. So we we left in separate cars, and I think you guys had to drop drop Jamie off somewhere because Jamie wasn't coming with us. And so we got to the restaurant first, and we put together uh, the, the staff put together these two tables, and we go to sit down, and they tell us to get our appetizers because that's usually how Brazilian steakhouses work. And so we come back with our plates. The servers put down. Our drinks and Jerry comes up to us and he's like, "Hey, he's like, I ran into some friends and uh, we're gonna need more space." And we already had like an extra chair or two at our table and we were like, "Oh, we've got a couple extra spots." And you were like, "Yeah, we're gonna need more." And we're like, "Okay." And then you were like, "Well, the table's ready. Come on up." So we grab our plates and we go to the front of the restaurant and we find that the tables aren't ready yet. It's like the I staff is furiously. Today trying to get these tables together and it's a busy Saturday night so we're standing in the middle of a busy steakhouse like freaking orphans holding our plates and <laughs> Jerry takes the opportunity <laughs> and so I asked Jerry so I'm, I'm kind of annoyed at what's happening and so I asked Jerry well who are these people like what are we doing all of this for and you're like I just I just know them from the Facebook group and I'm like so you've never like you don't know these people you never met these people like nope they're just they're just fans they're just they're that's just people. not true and i was just like okay and at that point i was like i'm really annoyed i was like you you were doing all of this for some people that you don't even know i was like this is really not okay and i was really unhappy and again we had just played nine rounds of magic i just wanted to eat and so finally we ended up sitting down and one guy like brought his wife who brought her sister and i'm just like who are these people <laughs> this um, guy by the way is tom smiley and to, be, and to be fair i'm sure they're very lovely like it's not personal whatsoever but you know for me from my perspective it was the fact that like sort of the surprise factor where it's like you know we had just come off of you know a really long day I thought I was going to be going out with people that I knew you know if it had been like if I'm certainly not opposed to like meet and greets and, and hanging out with Facebook groups and things like that. Like if you guys were to just, to set something up for eternal weekend, I would 100% go, but it was just sort of the, the one thing after another where it's like, yeah. I've invited all these random people. I don't really know who they are. You have to get up. The tables I, aren't even ready yet. And I, I was just like, this is horrible. And so anytime I see Jerry now, and anytime he mentions going somewhere, you know, he could be at a football game. And he's like, the marching band is really great. Invite him to dinner, Jerry. Just grab a table for 47, bring the marching band, bring the pep squad while you're at it, and just invite fucking everybody because that's Jerry's thing. Um, and he's just, and Jerry's having a ball. Like, Jerry's sitting at the end of the table, eating his steak. And he's like, isn't this wonderful? Are all these friends? And I'm like, no, it's not fucking wonderful. I'm like, I don't know half these people. Um, I, I thought you were never going to speak to me dinner. ever again. I thought you were never going to speak to me. You were so angry. I'm like, Aaron, are, I literally, I legitimately asked you, it's like, Aaron, are you really that mad? And you just looked at me with death in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like I 
said it wasn't personal. You know, Joe is awesome. Alex is awesome. You know, the people who ended up coming, the guys on the end were really, really sweet. It wasn't personal. It was just the fact that, you know, we went into this thinking it was going to be, you know, an intimate get together of seven people. And it ended up turning into an intimate get together of almost 12 people. And so it was just really (laughs) jarring for me. Um, You know, I don't normally just invite groups of people out with me. You know, I try to keep it to people I know. And and had it been billed as such, that would have been one thing. But I thought it was just going to be people that I know and that I love. And it ended up turning into you know, whoever was breathing, and I was like... It was a failure of communication. Also, as Tom Smiley came in, you were like, who is this troll? I distinctly (laughs) remember you saying that. (laughs) May have, may have. I apologize, Tom. I don't think you're a troll. No, it's fine. I I can totally empathize with you there, though, because, like, there are days where I've had a long day, and, like, I'm a customer-facing person in my regular job, so, like, after a long day, the last thing I want to do is, like, host a bunch of people at my house so that that happened to me the other day unexpectedly and it's just like oh this is the worst i don't i don't get i'm i was the i was the guy in college who was like pushing together the dining room tables in the school cafeteria getting like groups of 50 people together (laughs) and how long did that work for you you're now a magic podcaster like (laughs) i have lots of friends after that slander story, I want to tell my own story. Oh, Lord. This story is the story of how Jerry saved the GP. <laughs> Gather round, children. <laughs> Twas the night before the GP when all through the house... Not a creature was stirring, not even a goif. The decklists were laid out at the table with care, in hopes that St. Grizzlebrand soon would be there. The players were nestled, all snug in their beds, with visions of moxes dancing in their heads. And Patrick in his kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled our sideboards for a winning map. (laughs) When out on the lawn there arose with such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the house I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw open the stash. The blood moon on the side of the new fallen snow gave the luster of a midday objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature gat- batter skull and eight <laughs> tiny creatures with fear. With a little old driver so lively and grand, I knew in a moment it must be Saint Grizzlebrand. <laughs> More rapid than eagles, his deckless they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now sneak and show, now reanimator, now delver and burn, on elves, on merfolk, on dredge, and a learn. <laughs> to the top of the... I had a... It, slant rhyme, man. Slant rhyme. <laughs> to, the top of the, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that bore the wild hurricane flew, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. That's actually the original poem. I don't, that's not a... It's, 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 <laughs> I don't ever want to hear you mounting anything. <laughs> full of equipment and St. Grizzlebrand, too. And then in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little crater hoof. As I drew in my hands and was turning around, down the chimney St. Grizzlebrand bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of cards he had flung on his back, and he looked like a gamer just opening his pack. 
His fangs, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his eyes like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up in a bow, and the claws of his hand were stained red with blood. The, st- <laughs> the stump of a pipe, he held his teeth, and the smoke had encircled his head like an O-ring. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl, a bowl of dismembered body parts. He was chubby and blunt, a uh, plump, a right jolly old elf. He's actually a demon. And I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his hand soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to the work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk, and laying his claw aside of his nose, he gave a nod up the chimney he rose, he sprang to his slave, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the dawn of thristle, but I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, happy GP to all, and to all a reason of lands and spells. I can't get past a learn, like what kind of Dolores Claiborne Jerry, accent is that? <laughs> Jerry, you you committed to that a hundred and ten percent. Like you've never done it in anything else in your life. I expected you to cut off after like a beat, but I mean you were with it. And I am officially revoking your poetic license because that was that was that was that was going to be unsurpassed. Oh man! <laughs> oh my God! A learn. <laughs> Walt Whitman says it's okay. Oh man. <laughs> That oh was pretty great, boy. though. Oh boy! Wow, that might be one of the, that might be like one of the best one-two punches of a fe- like the end of an episode we've ever had. Yes. Oh, all right. Well, after that, I think we need to get into some scoops into top eight. Uh, Aaron, I want you to go first. I'm gonna give you the honors. Who are you gonna scoop into top eight this week? Oh man, um, I definitely want to scoop. Uh, you know, Emma Handy. I think she did a fantastic job at the pre-pre-release this weekend, and um, you know, she's just doing really, really big things. Uh, I want to give a scoop to my friend Chris uh, from the Girlfriend Bracket. Um, you know, Chris recently found themselves a good dude, and I got to meet the dude the other day, and he's fantastic. And you know, there really is nothing better than seeing your friends be happy. And so, yeah, I definitely want to give them a big shout out, and everybody I'm with at the Vintage Super League. It's an honor to be playing with them, and I just want to, I just want to make them proud, and I want to do a really good job and and you know scoop to card hoarder for taking a chance on a mouthy redhead like me and giving her a job and that's really about it awesome how about you jerry who you scooping in top eight uh, i got to scoop in our favorite person michelle cove for getting married this weekend yeah, my god everybody michelle. was at that wedding <laughs> it was like a who's who so yeah i had no idea i thought we were just going it's like oh it's michelle's wedding you know she's a pillar of the magic community so there'll probably be like lots of local players there and then out comes the maid of honor and it's uh helene i'm like oh that's helene <laughs> and then now comes like the bridal party i'm like oh that's huey jensen oh <laughs> That's Patrick Chapin and Brian Kibler. Do you Tom know how Hotel. many people DM'd me and offered to send me pictures of Reed? I guess Reed was supposed to go. I had no oh, less than Reed three people. Go. I had no less than three people DM me that were like, "So Reed's supposed to be at this wedding? I totally got you." And I was like, "I, I didn't ask for anything, you guys." And so, and then those same people DM'd me a couple hours later, and they're like, "So Reed's not here, but the offer was out there." And I'm like. Thanks. Like I didn't know I had this like doctor spy network of people waiting to take pictures <laughs> of Reed without him knowing it. I'm like, guys, no, I don't want to be a creeper and just. <laughs> well, and like, like, so I'm just like, oh my god, like there are all these magic celebrities. And then I look yeah. to my right and I realize this whole time I've been standing next to Owen Turnwald. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I yeah. can't 
look at Owen without thinking of the mom from Throw Mama from the Train yeah. because she I, used to do that. Owen. <laughs> and so every time I look at Owen, I hear her voice in my head of Owen, and I just can't. Uh, I think me and Owen got off to a bad start because so later on, oh, like, I can give you a worse start with Owen. <laughs> during during the reception, we're all like standing in a circle, uh, like everyone's talking, and like Owen's there, and then another magic player's there, and the magic other magic player like looks at Owen's like. You look like really familiar. Do I like know you from somewhere? And just without missing a beat, for some reason, I just go, "Oh yeah, you were on Dancing with the Stars." <laughs> <laughs> and Owen did not take kindly to that. <laughs> like I don't think he knew I was joking, and he just like got flustered and then walked off. <laughs> but yes, I want to scoop in Michelle and John because it was an amazing wedding. Oh my, the food was so good. They had a chicken and waffles bar. Nice. It wasn't. It wasn't chicken and waffles. It was a chicken and waffles bar and Yikes. like a steak station. And they had like, like she, so they had it in the game store. So wow. it was actually in gaming, et cetera, which was actually crazy seeing a game store set up for like a wedding banquet. Cause it looks yeah, like usually they're set up like funerals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I look around I'm like, this is, this looks completely different. Like I don't, like I didn't realize that the walls are black in there because usually it's just like covered with products, mm-hmm. but like it was awesome, and I mean, I guess just the fact that you have the venue, you don't have to rent the venue. Which I'm, I've never been married, but I'm guessing that's a pretty big expense on it. I'm not yeah. surprised that you never. Been married. <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, can you imagine trying to? Set, no, I mean that just because you like to invite people. Like, can you imagine? I can just imagine oh God, you two trying to set up the guest list. I'm gonna be like, dreading. oh hey, this guy. Hey honey, this guy carjacked us. I invited him to the wedding. Is that okay? Like, the, like legit, I'm dreading having to find a hall that can sit a thousand plus. People. Essentially, like you're gonna need like the Astrodome or something. Uh, That's actually a legitimate fear of mine. <laughs> uh, but yes, Michelle and John, it was an awesome wedding. The food was amazing, and it was super cool. Even though I didn't talk to any of the magic players because I just wanted it to be about the wedding, it was cool just being in the same room as that as like all these platinum pros just hanging out. Yeah, that was a, that was like a hall of fame. What thing. a diva! I didn't talk to any of the magic. Players. Well, no, because I didn't want to like bother them. Like you know, like if you're at a wedding, you don't want someone to come up and talking about like mortgages with you, do you? <laughs> It's like leave leave shop at the shop, you know. You it know? depends. Am I standing in the middle of a Brazilian steakhouse holding my appetizer? In which case, no, I don't want to discuss mortgages. I will say though, Patrick Chapin is probably the funniest dancer I've ever seen in my entire life. That's yeah. the moves. <laughs> so during uh, I get uh, Chumbawamba, I get knocked down. So you know Patrick Chapin, he's like a law, like a tall, gangly dude. Mm-hmm. Every single time during Chumbawamba, it said, I get knocked down. He full out just like belly flopped on the wow. ground, <laughs> just like sprawling all of his limbs everywhere. And then would like quickly get back up. And then as soon as it said, I get knocked down, would just throw himself onto the floor. <laughs> like I nearly like fell out of my seat laughing. It was, was so it also an open bar, Jerry. <laughs> it was also an open bar. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love uh, it. <laughs> well, it was an awesome wedding. I, I was pumped for it. And, like, uh, I keep, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. That's how good it was. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. And you showed up on time for this one, Jerry? I was on time. That, what is everyone was saying? Oh, Jerry, you're on time for this one. What's going on? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're awesome. late on wedding and you never live it down. <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, so I'm going to scoop in. I want to scoop in, Aaron. Thank you so much again for coming on. Uh, really oh, awesome you. to talk to you. You're always a lovely guest to have. So anytime you, you want to come back and talk, please feel free. Are you guys coming to EW? Uh, I, Jerry, when? are you going to make it down? Oh, yeah. All right. 
I'm I don't think I'll be able to sadly, but I'm I'm Cats, I no. know. I know. I just changed like where I'm working at, so I, my life has been a little bit of a not a, I don't want to call it a tailspin, but it's just been a little bit disorganized, so uh right. but, Well, I'll think of you when we're having dinner with Jerry at Costco. <laughs> <laughs> And it's the only it's the only venue that can seat all of us. Essentially. <laughs> uh, and the other person I wanted to scoop in this week too was uh well it's a professor. I got a chance to meet Brian up at uh, up at Hascon. I didn't get a chance to scoop him in last week, but I got a chance to kind of sit down with him when it wasn't so crazy, and him and I got to talk for a few minutes. So he was super nice, uh, pretty much exactly how how I expected him to be. Uh, just a guy who loves the game and uh, was really really nice to talk to. So I wanted to just scoop in him in the top eight. Um, all right, so uh, before we get out of here, Erin, um, where can people find you? Where can they talk to you about Dredge and Vintage and EDH and all things magic? Oh, God, where can't they find me? Um, so I'm probably um, most likely to be found on Twitter. You can find me at Original Asterisk. That's O-R-I-G-I-N-A-L-O-E-S-T-R-U-S. Um, you can email me at OriginalAsterisk at gmail.com. Snapchat is Original Asterisk. You can find me on the management. I've been hanging out on those boards. Reddit's Original Asterisk. Skype is Original Asterisk. Um, that's pretty much about it. I'm pretty – I pride myself on being pretty um, approachable and, and accessible to people. Um, so it shouldn't be hard to – Except at dinner, and except, I, I, and except if you don't have your Twitter email address registered, you won't get through my filters, and I won't see your tweet. Um, but assuming that you've registered your email address and you tweet at me, I'll probably see it. But. That's fair. That seems like a, a, a perfectly fine trade-off there. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, you know, you can find Jerry at JME3RD. You can find me at Pat Uglow on Twitter. You can find the stream, twitch.tv slash Pat I'll be streaming again this week. Uh, you can find us on Patreon. Uh, you can find us on Hipsters. The Facebook group is in the in the show notes. You can email us, leavinglegacy at hipsterthecoast.com. There is no reason why you can't get a hold of us. Tell us how much you uh, hate Jerry and love me. Um, <laughs> Jerry, if you, if you have a D20, let's roll that thing. We'll get out of here tonight. Uh, yep. It is somewhere. It is. I'm going to pick a number at random. Jerry, you have one job. <laughs> you have one job, Jerry. I'm at my new setup, man. I don't have it. I don't have it easily accessible. I do have a number right here, and that okay. number that number is 33. Oh, you're, you're got to be shitting me, right? Like, <laughs> I have to count to 33? We just got like eight eight more additions today. It was awesome. There's some good ones. <laughs> Four, I'm, I'm at 20. I'm already pissed, just so you know. <laughs> Four, two, three. Oh, I love it. This is uh, our friend Kate, Kate, uh, Kate Bates. Uh, she is asking for a Kesha woman. Which we is already a played song. a good song. We did. Didn't we already oh, play that. Did. Oh, we did <laughs> so, play that song. So you oh, didn't did delete you? it. Yeah, <laughs> so we did play that song. song. Uh, <laughs> fuck it. We're gonna we're gonna roll it back. We're gonna run it back because I like that song. I did. It. <laughs> you can't <laughs> run the shit, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we already did it. This is why the people don't have faith in the system, Pat. This is why. Jerry, I would love to see the system burn down because I hate letting people choose our outro song every week. <laughs> FYI. Look at all the good ones. Uh, John Orr added, we built this city. Uh, Andrew Campbell added, uh, built this pool by Blink-182. Uh, we got Wu-Tang Clan, Bring the Ruckus by How Tim How come Pop. I didn't get to pick a song? Yeah, actually, you know what? We can do that. Aaron, you can pick a song. Oh, man. Um... <laughs> oh, you weren't ready. You're no, I'm totally ready. I just don't know if you're ready. Um, is K-pop allowed? Oh, yeah. Okay. We can definitely do some K-pop. I'm going to recommend a song called Boom Ya. Um, it's by a group called Blackpink, and it has been my life for, like, the last week. I have no idea what the video is about. I have no idea what the song's about. But it has so many just wild elements and pretty colors. It makes me so happy. 
Awesome. <laughs> All right, great. So we'll see what that's like. I'm excited. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thanks, Aaron, for, for hanging out. And Jerry? Play us out with something sweet. There you go. Nailed it. Being a bad girl, I know I am. And I'm so hot, I need a fan. I don't want a boy, I need a man. Click, clap, bada bing, bada boom. When the box, I'm going to deny, bada boom. Put your ass up, know the guy in the door. Move the numbers under the coat, pick up, bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang, bada, bada, bang, bang, bang. You can now be a joke, better, jump, jump, jump. Hands up, that's when it bada, pull a handy, nigga, my lo, my tatanke,